please can I get you to stand to your feet and welcome our senior pastor, Graham Evans, up onto the stage. Thank you, guys. Awesome. My privilege to be here. And uh, every time I visit our churches and just look at the pastors and just see them as actually being the jewels in my crown, um, that is awesome. That's important to know that your physical children are doing well. Um, and somehow or another, I've got every the representation of my three families. Uh, someone's in the full time, my two daughters, my daughter in law. Funny, it's all the ladies. Good girl power, huh? And, uh, and then, of course, I've got my spiritual children and uh, Jason and Sue. It's, it's, it's wonderful for me to know that Jason is actually on our national leadership, uh, the next generation of leaders, taking us to a place where we know the church is going to be more and more significant. Amen. Good. My message is entitled, It Is Well With My Soul. When Jason spoke to me about a series about the workplace, it really resonated with me. Let's be honest. We spend most of our waking hours either working or getting ready for work or thinking about work afterwards. Um, we spend more time with customers, clients, fellow workers than with our own spouses. Uh, and then, of course, if we look at the workplace, how it has been devastated and affected and reshaped by COVID, we know that there's a lot of pressure and yet God wants us to thrive and be significant in the workplace. So today we're going to chat about guarding or preserving our souls in the workplace. My soul is inside of me and it's invisible. We wish we could see the soul. Um, but it's actually there. It's the very essence of who I am. It makes me me. Um, all my thoughts, ideas, dreams, um, attitudes, celebrations... Uh, the things I want to do, um, just decisions, depressions, anxiety, faith, joy, peace, commitments, all of that takes place in your soul. And we know that the soul can be renewed, what can be damaged. Isn't that correct? So our words and our behavior all flow from the, from the heart. Heart's another word that we can use when we're talking about the soul. It is important for us to know that all sin originates in the soul. It might end up being an action, but it starts in the area of the soul. <clears throat> but also, the good news is that when we are born again, we give our life to Christ, we confess our sins, the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual life, and the soul is redeemed. And that initiates, hopefully, a lifelong process of becoming more and more like Christ. And it's very interesting, even as we've been chatting about my work history um, and also my working with Jason and the other guys, just to see how as time has gone by, God has shaped us and reshaped us. Please, this also speaks into the lives of school children, college students, um, what happens out there from Monday to Friday or even Saturdays as well. So, not only do I have a soul, not only is it inside of me, not only is it invisible, but it is also eternal. Um, it is very important that we do not make the mistake of thinking that because we can't see the soul, that we do not have to value it or protect it. We cannot spend more time looking after our bodies and our houses and our motor vehicles and then less time on our souls. When I die... <coughs> My soul does not disappear, 
like a clearing mist. Um, it becomes attached to a body. The Bible is very clear that we don't have ghosts. Um, there's a body, a spiritual body that the Bible talks a lot about in heaven. And then we know if we look at hell, there's gnashing of teeth. And um, so you're given a body so that your teeth can gnash. If you've got false teeth like me, you get new teeth. Um, but the point I'm wanting to make is your soul lives through eternity. And what we do in our life now determines the destination of our soul. We have one chance while we are alive to make sure that our soul is protected and that it ends up in the right place. So, okay, talking about the soul in the workplace, now that's another thing. In the 18th century, English poet Alexander Pope said the following, to err, that is to make a mistake, is human. Human beings make mistakes. Oh my head, we've all made mistakes in the workplace, haven't we? We've made the mistakes at home and even in the church environment. But I want to tell you one of our biggest mistakes is to compartmentalize our lives. <clears throat> we are world experts at compartmentalizing our lives. Our work life is very different to our home life and our church life. It's almost as if we've got three separate souls. Guys, that's a lie. <laughs> you've got one soul that goes with you wherever you go. I always remember this lady, she was in one of our life groups years ago, and we were working through, you know, life together. And she said she, she's a very powerful, um, bubbly uh, kind of person, had a key role in her business. And she would have to almost put this face on and get out there and laugh and chat and get business. But she said by the time she got home, she switched it off. She wouldn't talk to anyone in her family. She said the only way she could be ready for the next day was to keep quiet, and she was grumpy at home. And she said there was just two different persons. So we can see that if we live our lives uh, differently in, in different uh, aspects of life, then our soul is either going to be burnt, hurt, or damaged, or hopefully um, that it will always be looked after. That's obviously our goal. Um, in the early stage of my work career, I don't know whether I had the most healthy um, sense of my soul in business. However, everybody I met said, oh, all lawyers are liars. How can you be a Christian in the workplace? Are you really a Christian? I think people asked me that hundreds of times. So I don't think the law has ever had a good reputation. So I was always on my toes, sort of. Um, but without a doubt, especially as a young person in business, um, in in the legal uh, practice, because, uh, you know, I didn't always guard myself, because at university, it was highly theoretical, and then, oh my hat, you were thrown into this, um, uh, I don't know, what, what do you want to call it, pot boiler, and had to find your place, but I tell you what really concerned me, I was shocked as time went by to notice how many Christians did not have integrity, seriously, they would be dishonest. They would take shortcuts. There were broken promises, shoddy workmanship, no excellence. And I couldn't work it out because they were a different person uh, in the church. And it was almost as if what people were doing was leaving the redeemed soul at the door of the church. So I'm asking you, please, guys, take your redeemed soul with you. Um, I, I think what happens is there's pressure out there, so we become protective. We've got to look after ourselves and our family. Um, we're doing it on our own strength. 
um, there's fear, there's stress, <clears throat> and then it's almost as if the ways of the world, or the ways of the devil, even if, if he feels he wants to get involved, because I don't think we should blame the devil for everything, by the way. I think he's, he must have, you know, he sees a psychologist because he's blamed for too many things. Okay, so, um, but yes, um, there's an issue. There's a problem. And it was so funny in those early years of my work in the 70s and 80s, not many of you around in the 70s, or the 80s, in fact, um, everybody had a fish. That was the Christian logo. You'd have a fish on the car or on your business logo. But let me tell you, oh my word, the worst drivers who cut you off in the road had a fish on their vehicle. And your road rage addicts had a fish on their car. <laughs> and so often, that businessman with a fish on my hat, it should have been a shark. <laughs> because they were there too. A lot of sharks out there with the, what does the Bible talk about? Sheep and wolf and sheep's clothing. Okay. Sorry. I, I'm making it a bit of fun, but my point is this, that it was almost operating with two different souls. And I think it damages our soul. So this morning, I'm going to read a few verses in Proverbs. I've never forgotten that. I think it was Brian Houston who said he developed his Christian character by only reading the Proverbs. He read them every day and meditated on them. So Proverbs 4 from verse 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Everything about your life comes from the heart or the soul. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. We'll get back to that. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. You know what lies before us is eternity. Listen, I have buried a lot of friends. Some of the nicest people I know have died young. I'm just going to put it out there, by the way. I never forget a... a, a, a a wonderful Christian friend um, in, in the end of grade 11 um, died in a fishing accident where a freak wave took him away. I mean, I can tell you a lot of stories about people who died young. So guys, but the one thing we know, whether you live for a long time or a short period of time, that's where your eyes need to be. That's where your soul is heading. Your work experience could be short-lived. Amen. Actually, amen means so may be. No, no. I want you all to live to 100. Okay, so let's get on there. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So let's unpack those scriptures for a few moments so that we can work out a biblical course of action that will safely guard our hearts. Are you with me? First thing is value. See your soul as your treasure. Guys, it's more valuable than anything you will ever own. Okay, my grandchildren talk about all these cars that cost four and five million. I'm saying I don't think you're going to get one. Uh, but it is more valuable than the fanciest racing car. It is literally the source of everything in your life, your relationships. If you have a damaged, dysfunctional soul, it will affect Every single relationship, including your relationships at work, by the way. Every response, decision, attitude flows almost like a river from that source, which is your soul. Um, the condition of your heart has a profound influence on the 
outcomes and consequences of your life. Workplace, yes. I have sadly seen Christians whose businesses have folded and collapsed, jobs have been lost, and we've prayed for them, we've come around them, but I tell you, they didn't protect their soul. And not saying every person who loses a job, by the way, means you look at, whoa, we don't know what's happening to you. Sometimes, God took, by the way, Joseph into slavery because he had a better job for him. I'm just saying that a lot of Christians have not guarded their soul in the workplace. The blessing hasn't been there. But I've seen the most unexpected, crazy blessings, promotions to Christians who have quite simply guarded their soul. So yes, I think that the workplace, your, your significance, I'd rather use that word than success, as we've got in the advert, is determined by your soul, because God is the one who gives you that significance. So God placed a high value on our hearts. I always say, well, what does God think? 2 Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. When he looked for a king to replace Saul, he found David, a man after my own heart. And um, he looks in the workplace for healthy souls to bless and promote in significant positions. Let's be honest, out in the world, the best evangelists, the best people who can be a lighthouse are surely Christians. If people aren't coming to church, we've got to go out there. We have to be the lighthouse. Um, and I realized that slowly but surely as I was in the workplace longer and longer, that that was my responsibility. Um, it's absolutely awesome. Joseph and Daniel, two great heroes in the Bible. I believe Sue spoke about Joseph, how he became a slave. He ended up in prison. But you know what? Because his heart was guarded during that season, God said, right, you can become the prime minister of Egypt, and he saved the lives of many. Daniel arrived in chains. The Babylonians had destroyed uh, Judah, and they were looking for a team of, of young men to train and equip to administer the empire. He was chosen. And uh, uh, we notice how, as time went by, um, God blessed um, Daniel in such an incredible way. In Daniel 6 verse 3, uh, just before he, he went to the lion's den, the, the king, Darius of Persia, which replaced the Babylonians, had decided to put Daniel above, above all his administrators in the whole empire because he guarded his soul, even through difficult times. Please hear that. Guard your soul. Allow your soul to be fed by the word of God. Grow spiritually. There is no limit. You might be sitting there and thinking, I'm just little old me. No, you are not. You have potential to be used by God out there in the workplace. So interesting um, how his enemies got the king to sign this decree that for a month everybody could only worship the king. And the king forgot about Daniel because there was no way Daniel was going to worship the king. They caught him praying. He had to be thrown into the lion's den. And the poor king, he loved Daniel so much. He prayed and fasted. And the next morning he came out because, the, by the way, the lions were kept hungry um, with the intention of them ripping the, the person apart who was thrown into the den. And he found that God had shut the mouth of the lions. Just a couple of points. 
Does your boss love you? Would he fast for you? <laughs> Just a very interesting thing. Um, have you got enemies in the workplace? <laughs> yeah. Tell me, um, can you trust God? Can you trust God to shut the mouth of the lions in your workplace? Or are you going to have a breakdown and quit the job? God says, I put you there for a purpose. Yes, there's a line. I will shut the mouth of the line. Come on, man. When we serve God, we can have faith in the workplace. Awesome. Jesus strongly emphasized the value of the human soul. And he was straight down the line. I'm reading from Mark 8, just three verses, but I'd love to read the whole passage. If you try to hang on to your life, in other words, your dreams, the vision, everything that's in that soul of yours, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, I promise you, when you allow your business and your job to be a kingdom effort, oh my hat, you will save your life. Um, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Guys, can we ask that question today? Your dreams, um, everything that that you want to achieve and do, is it worth more than your soul? You see, in the workplace, every attitude, every goal, every decision has to submit to the value of your soul. That is your redeemed soul I'm talking about. And um, it's never worthwhile making an unethical decision to save your job or your business. Never. Rather, just place it in God's hand. Um, I found myself in many sticky situations in law. And only God could save me. I always remember the one case where this poor guy was, every bone in his body had been broken, and you, you have a time limit to submit the claim. And I was so busy, also with church stuff, I went over about five days. And I just knew that if I had to pay that money, I'd still be paying it back now. Um, but God intervened. They said, God, it's in your hands. And I went to the insurance company, and they paid it out. Um, and I just, you know, I just, just God did it. But when we try to sort things out on our own strength, that's when it goes wrong. Amen. So what I want to say is that in the workplace, our goal is to always be in a spiritual position to say, it is well with my soul. Guys, I always tried. I got to a point where I said, no, no, I want to be the person. I had a friend who did this. Every single solitary decision he heard the Holy Spirit. So every letter he wrote, every client he spoke to, um, I got into it. So I would try and find those moments because I wasn't a person who could, I don't know if you can, I think it's the most amazing thing. This guy was, he was crazy. Um, he just heard from the Holy Spirit every moment. But I tell you what, if you can't do that, if you can have three times a day, because that's what Daniel did. Daniel prayed three times a day. He left the work, went home and prayed. Maybe you can't go home at lunchtime, but you can find a place and find a spot because, because in that moment, if you clear with God and maybe with people, I tell you, one of the things I did, I never pretended to be perfect. So I would always go and apologize uh, to someone. And it's funny, they don't hold it against you, but people get better with Christians who pretend to be better and can't say sorry. Okay. So that wasn't in my notes, but um, anyway, let's get back to the notes. The notes, the notes. Oh, yes, yeah. So in that pagan environment, he kept his soul pure by just having those moments. 
And Scripture tells us, and I'll read it to you, uh, Daniel 6.10, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, that's the one about only worshiping um, the king, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its window open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he always done, giving thanks to God. You know what? When, when that becomes a discipline, it doesn't matter what's going wrong. God's there with you. You don't have to feel lost. Um, and so I thought that was awesome. What do you and I do that shows the value of our soul and relationship to God? Does your boss know? Is there something you do that's clear to people? Because everybody watched him. Go home and pray to his God. Okay, so now we spoke about making it a treasure, a value. Then the second point is the word above all else. Guard your heart above all else. That's about priority. See, you can value something and not give it priority. And guys, it's got to be always the first thing that we do. Our time with God, our time in the Word of God. Um, and you know, it almost sounds like this is a bridge too far. Like, you don't know how much I have to do. I've got to sort the kids out, get them to school. I've got, you know, rent to pay, petrol's going up all the time. There's so much uh, my boss wants me to do. When do I find this time? Well, I want to tell you that when you become a Christian, uh, the Holy Spirit has revived your soul, things become possible that were previously impossible. We can't find that moment. You know what? You can have more connection with God in a few moments than spending an hour there and, and, your, and your mind's wandering. If you can just have a genuine connection with God, I honestly believe it's possible. There's a desperate need for spiritual believers whose hearts have been quickened by the Spirit. And I want to read John uh, 7, 38. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the Scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So God's looking for spiritual believers who have made their soul a priority, who, have the, who has a river that flows. You don't have to do weird and wonderful stuff. You don't have to stand on... On, on, on the tea room table and say, repent or burn. There's just something that flows out of you. We started, you know, when we really got going and the office was Christians, we started praying for people. We saw healings take place. Uh, we even had a deliverance of one lady. Help me, Lord. Um, uh, so um, they can get messy. <laughs> that took place in the side room. Woo! That wasn't intentional. Um, but things happen when you prepare to be available to be used by God. Okay, so I hope that I'm, I hope I'm encouraging you. You don't have to do this in your own strength. Then, thirdly, and guys, this is quite important. Avoid all per perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. There's something about what comes out of our mouth. And that's why when Isaiah had that vision of God um, and he saw the holiness and the greatness of God, he got on his knees and said, I am a man of unclean lips, and we are a nation of unclean lips. And then in repentance, the angel came and touched his lips with a coal. I tell you, the negativity and stuff that comes out of our mouths, it pollutes us. Um, and I've got this idea of a river that's full of pollution. I've got a picture up there. Guys, that is an, actually a river, but it's so full of trash. You can't see the river. Guys, you Google trash and rivers, and I'll tell you, you won't sleep at night. 
There are so many rivers on our planet that have been completely filled with trash. And I think when we corrupt our speech, we just add trash to our river. And I want to ask a question. What do you think God's definition of true religion? I would say worship, firstly, prayer, reading the Bible, serving others, using the gifts of the Spirit. Well, let's see what James said in James 1.27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for widows and orphans. Sorry, orphans and widows. Now, I think we've had that revelation. But also refusing to let the world corrupt you. If your religion is pure in the sight of God, you make it your goal to prevent your soul from being corrupted by the trash of the world. Um, let's be honest. TV, internet, social media, Netflix, all that stuff doesn't make it easier today, does it? The stuff that comes into our soul. And I think in the business place, we can easily speak negatively. It's crazy how a chat in the workplace will make you want to emigrate or whatever. You know, it's just, it's woof. Making empty promises, overselling your product, bully your competitors, hustle, dirty jokes. There's so much talk in the workplace that's going to damage you. And then when you come to the house of God, you've almost got to look for God because of the pollution that is in your soul. So, yeah, you know, for, for me, in my office, there was not a lot of swearing and blaspheming amongst the f fellow lawyers in those days. And not a lot of coarse jokes, the group I was with anyway. But boy, can lawyers talk and can they argue. And in that argument, not that I can argue, do I? <laughs> um, in that argument, and guys, I think pollution comes. Um, and hustle. I used to love to, not hustle in a bad way, but try and psych my opponent out. I don't know. Is God really happy? I did the right thing, probably moving into the ministry. But listen, there's a, a wonderful, powerful authority in pure anointed speech. You don't have to be this weird, like religious okey poke. Um, it's just, there's just something about you. People know. My friend Bill, I mentioned him in the first uh, service, Bill Taylor. It's so obviously Bill, Bill has a standard. He's, I don't know what it is, you know he's a Christian, but he attracts business people. I promise you, they love him. He's got a good sense of humor. But there's just something, there's an authority in his life. Then fixing your eyes on God, on his spiritual kingdom. Guys, that's healthy. Um, you, can have, you can have a dream that is not from God that will corrupt you. Um, I remember I had a direct challenge from God. Was, are you going to trust me with your kid's education? Or are you going to trust me? Um, in your old age, because you you, you're not going to make a huge packet for your retirement. I remember it was so clear. I mean, I hadn't gone into full-time ministry. And God says, will you leave your future to me? Little knowing that between three kids that have spent 17 years at university, I would definitely not have gone into full-time ministry had I had any inkling that was going to happen. Um, you see, both Joseph and Daniel focused on the kingdom. Very interesting. 
Basically, Daniel always opened his window. He always prayed towards Jerusalem because he knew that God was going to take a remnant back there and that one day in the future, the Messiah would reign from Jerusalem. Crazy, isn't it? He could just see the spiritual future. And Joseph just somehow knew that even though he was a slave in Egypt, that, that God had a plan to preserve um, Abraham's children. And uh, once again, Genesis 50, 20. If I was back there, out there in law, whatever, whatever, this would be the scripture I would actually put up on my wall. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And that's what I enjoyed about the change that came in the workplace, starting a prayer meeting. We started, we started a prayer meeting for all the lawyers, the liars that everyone told us we were <laughs> in Durban. In fact, you know what? There was a revival, and we had to split that prayer meeting into three. That was just before I went to full-time ministry. Um, there was such a work of God. God, God used Michael Cassidy uh, to bring a, a, a massive um, revival amongst professional people in Durban. And I loved that season. And all of that, God prepared me for the full-time ministry and the opinionated young men, eight tough men that I had to work with. Shame. I'm ashamed for them. I mean, <laughs> so guys, can we fix our eyes on that eternal future and what God wants us to do until we all get into journey? That's important. Then, um, just to read, make a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. A straight path. I believe it's drawing a line in the sand. Guys, you have to draw a line in the sand in the workplace. Guys, you're a goner. <laughs> that, you know what? You've got to know when to draw a line, where to draw the line. And you've got to have the inner strength and courage to actually keep to that line. It was funny. Jason and I were talking about something earlier on, and we were just going to wipe, we were going to rub that line out, weren't we? Woo! The temptation. <laughs> to say, no, 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 it's, all right, it's fine. When God says draw a line, whatever it is, we draw the line. Um, I think that Christians are in deep trouble if they don't know that they constantly have to draw new lines because the workplace changes. Everything shifts. New ideas come in. And, and if you're not aware of, as a Christian of what's happening and what God wants from you, um, your soul is easily polluted. You agree with me, guys? Um, Jesus told the story of a very successful farmer he reached a critical point of success. And he said, then he made a decision. He made the wrong decision. I'm going to pull my bonds down, build bigger bonds. And you know what's happened? I'm going to fill those bonds. And I have, I'm going to have plenty of money for retirement. And I'm going to say to myself, take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, you speak to most people, well, yeah, we are working towards retirement. You see, it's not, it's not even the fact that you're going to retire. It's what's going on in your soul. And this is what God said. You're a fool. Tonight your soul's going to be required of you. And who's going to get all the things you work for? Guys, you don't work for retirement. You work for the kingdom. And you can trust God in your retirement. Because the age does come, I suppose, when you have to retire. For me, I believe it's somewhere around 95. Jason's saying, Lord, take him quick. Um, this, is what, this is what Jesus said in Luke 12, 21. 
Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. He didn't say you can't be wealthy. He said not to have a rich relationship with God. Guys, you know what this means? Passion for work can never exceed your passion for God. I want to ask you, compare the two passions. Where, where are you putting your hardest work? Sometimes guys, um, they put all their effort into, um, into their workplace and they say, you're not a church. This is where I just want to hear the word of God. I don't want to serve. I don't want to be a life group leader. You don't understand how hard it is to work. Whoa. No. You become a better leader in the church. Remember that a church can't go anywhere without volunteer leaders. I mean, not everybody goes into full time. I want to say, if you're doing well at work, maybe your challenge for the rest of the year is to make sure that that passion never exceeds your passion for God. Just in closing, um, we've we've got to be brief now, just a couple of lines. Believe it or not, I had to draw a line of anxiety. When I went into full-time, I was from Derbs, okay? You heard an Afrikaans word here and there, Mama, they cut it off the mud. And I was sent to Pretoria to do a prosecutor's course and prosecute in Pretoria. People spoke too fast. I mean, I had no idea. I messed up every case I had. Eventually, this grizzled magistrate, he'd been there for 100 years, I have to talk to you in my office. He says, do you know what you're doing? I can't convict these criminals because you are repopulating this city with criminals. <laughs> you are adding to the criminal population. You're not winning any cases. I tell you what, I started to worry. The confident Graham Evans was now a little mouse. Then I, be- then I became an attorney, but you've got to do article article clerkship. I don't know what it's like now. In those days, you promised to bow, serve, kiss your, your, um, the feet of, the, of your principal. You do it. And this guy, he drove me. I always said he was related to Hitler. Maybe that was naughty of me to say that. And he drove me. I did all his work. I went into the office. Have you ever been into a city office on a Saturday? Oh, lights are out on my hat, going up in that lift, you know, hoping there's no somebody in the passage, and then just working. You know, weird thing. God t- worked it all together for my good, because he taught me to be a good lawyer. Um, I'm sorry that I took a bit of that into, <laughs> into training these guys. But you can see the results. But you know what? My, what's my point? My point is that I became anxious. Do you know, when the good times come, listen to me, your anxiety doesn't go. Because it's part of your soul. You have no reason to be anxious, but you're anxious. Anxiety will always make it difficult in your workplace. You will be anxious about something and take a shortcut. You'll be anxious about something and give a promise because you want the job. You know you can't deliver it by Friday, but you tell the guy you'll get it on Friday. And I tell you, even if the moon turned green, he's not going to get it on Friday. This is how it works because you are now anxious. You've got, I had to draw the line in the sand. I had to learn scriptures off my heart. I had to put them next to my mirror and in my cupboard door because I knew that I could not be a significant leader for God out there in the workplace if I was anxious. Joseph, his line was six. He was a handsome young man. If you, if you were a slave, you belonged to the slave master's wife as well. 
and she wanted him. And you know what? It could have been so easy for him to give in. And of course, the day came when she grabbed him. She thought, this is my day. And he struggled away and she got his jacket and she turned it all around and told her husband that, she, that he tried to rape her. And he ended up in prison. Imagine you, you, you draw the line on the sand and then you get hammered. But you see, he became the prime minister of Egypt. God will always look after you. You know what happened to our friend Daniel? He arrives there. They tell him, okay, you're in the training program. No, the king specifically set up what they had to eat and drink. But you know what? It didn't fit in with God's laws on food. Daniel went to the leader. He said, listen, I'm going to get killed and you're going to get killed if you don't obey. And that's when he said, can I do the Daniel fast? That's where the Daniel fast comes from. Um, but you see, when both drew the line in the sand, God said, that's it. That's my man. That's my man. That's my woman. She can draw a line in the sand. Are you understanding me? Then, guys, the last instruction was don't get sidetracked. There's more subtle danger to the purity of your heart just in being sidetracked. I was, you don't sidetrack me. My obsession with my win ratio, and I kept, I kept winning, Won my last 10 cases. My last, this is, I'm, I'm new in law. 15 cases, 20 cases. Never lost a case. Let me tell you, when a lawyer doesn't lose a case, oh my heck, he's got somebody off. He should have gone to jail. The odds, isn't that the odds? So I would, if some, some, guy, if some guy came to him and said, I did it, obviously I wouldn't defend him. I mean, even the, the oath you give. But I tell you what, it's so easy to muddy the waters when you are sidetracked. Guys, are you, do you have an obsession in the workplace? Be careful if you have an obsession because you could be sidetracking your soul. There's a pollution and a corruption that comes in. And I realized that it actually meant nothing. I got that reputation of being ruthless. They would give me the cases. I mean, I made witnesses cry. Um, normally they've been lying anyway. Um, I cross-questioned a lady for a whole year. We just kept, it was in the country, and we kept, we'd, we would go for a day, and then they would set it up another two or three months' time. We just went on, and I just cross-examined her. She was a liar. But I don't know if I did it the right way. I don't think I did it the right way. She's still in psychological um, therapy, probably. I don't know. Um, but do you understand my point? Whether, whether I'm right or wrong, the way you do it could be a sidetrack. And God's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 that's not my plan for you. Okay, we are at a close, and I'm going to ask the team to come up. So I've mentioned six things. You can think about it yourself, being sidetracked. You haven't, put, you haven't made it your treasure, your heart your treasure. Maybe it's not been prioritized. Um, I don't know. Um, maybe you're not looking towards eternity, even though you're in the workplace. Whatever it is. I want God to help you this morning because that title, It Is Well With My Soul, is the title of a hymn. It was written by a Christian gentleman called Horatio Spafford. He had a great business. He had five children, loving wife. One day, the four-year-old boy gets sick and dies. In the same year, the great fire of Chicago destroyed most of the buildings that he had in his business. Then he decides they're going to England because he's going to be involved in a crusade. 
He's going to take his family with him. Last moment, he has a business issue. And he says to his wife, take the four girls in the steamer ship. I'll follow in the next ship. There's a collision at sea. The four girls are drowned. The wife somehow survives, hanging onto a piece of wood. And she sends him a telex or whatever it was, saying that she was saved. He gets onto the next steamer, and when it went over that place where the ship had gone down, that's when he wrote the words, and he realized that it doesn't matter what the circumstances, what are the, doesn't matter what's happening in his life, there's nothing more important than that his soul is right with God. And he wrote the beautiful words. Interestingly enough, they had another child afterwards, and she... Uh, played a big role in sharing the story. So I wonder if we could stand. We're going to sing the first two verses. And I want you to pray as we're singing. Only you know what you need to make right. But I want you to leave this place saying, at different times in my day, I am going to make sure my soul is right with God. And I'm going to go forward saying, it is well with my soul. Because you know why we can do that? the grace and the mercy of God, the love of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit enables us to do that. Amen. Shall we sing? The Word of God says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to remove all unrighteousness. Lord, at this moment, we ask You, I ask You, please forgive my sins. Lord, I know that you give us that assurance of salvation that we sung about, knowing that you have removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Lord, now may the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the sweet abiding fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us until Jesus returns. It is well with my soul. Amen.